Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, college football's best postgame hour. Uh, I'm George Whitfield, surrounded by the best trio of quarterbacks you're going to see on any set. Trevor Knight, uh, prodigal son of Texas A&M and the OU Sooners. The Baylor Bears, heart and soul, Bryce Petty, and the pride of we are Penn State Christian Hackenberg. Fellas, we knew this was going to be the start of a heavyweight month. First of all, welcome. Good to see you guys. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, We knew this is the start of a heavyweight month. We're going to start in the Big Ten. We all watch that. Uh, Hack, I'm going to start right away with you. The Wolverines, they had to start holding serve with every big heavyweight bout going forward. That thing went 12 rounds, and they came out on the wrong side of it. What was the biggest thing you took away from this matchup today? Yeah, if I'm Michigan, I think the biggest takeaway is I wouldn't be discouraged. We were talking about it early, earlier here. That was a great college football game. It was it was prototypical, quintessential Big Ten football. Um, I think uh, I think you got to give a huge, a huge round of applause to Mel Tucker and how he got that team prepared. Kenneth Walker obviously showed us exactly why he should have a seat or an opportunity to eventually be in New York towards the end of the year. Um, I think when you look at Michigan, bright, bright points, you know, Cade played fairly well, I think up until that pick at the end, um, he showed his ability to, yeah, he showed his ability to put, put, put himself in some tough, tough situations and be successful and, and, and lead his team, uh, which is something that he hadn't had to do all year. So I think it's really going to bode well for Michigan, as long as they stay, keep the ship ride in the right direction and understand that they still have a lot in front of them because Michigan state still has Penn state and Ohio state, obviously Penn state and Ohio state are playing tonight, but then Michigan also has um, both of those Penn state and Ohio state as well. So uh, there's still a lot of shuffling, a lot of they're still in it, but I think it was a, I think it was a great start to this gauntlet that I've talked about, about the last half of the season for the big 10 East. Um, And again, I just, want to give a lot of credit to Mel Tucker. I was really, really, really happy with how that team came out and played. And I think that's a huge win for the program moving forward. Trevor, you're, you're talking, Hack is, he, he's on to something. Mel Tucker, this is your second r- lap around the track in the Big Ten. COVID year, they were not good, but, you know, you're trying to piece together a new program and still all the things that you want to get in there. You're kind of getting your people in there, plus it's COVID. Here they come out of the gates. First couple of weeks, they're like, wow, look at Michigan State. They got a running game. Wow, kind of impressive. We're in October, still undefeated. Now they go up against, you know, they had their state championship tonight against Michigan. Is, is like, can you describe to people, because you played for some great coaches, how much that really does hinge on leadership? That you got to have the tactical piece too, but like to weather guys through the storm, like, what are your impressions of Coach Tucker and how, how big of a deal is this what he's doing? Yeah, you know, it's um, I'm, I'm a huge culture guy. I always have been. Um, and when I look back on my time playing at Oklahoma specifically, I walked into a culture that Bob Stoops had built over 20 years. So that was easy to step in and say, okay, it's, you know, everything's in place exactly like how it's supposed to be. Then Lincoln Riley comes in and culture changes a bit. But the reason that he was has been so successful is because he was able to mold that culture, but get buy-in very quickly. 
And so I see the exact same thing up there um, at Michigan State with Mel Tucker. He's found a way to be the leader of that program and get not only his team, but the culture of that fan base to buy in with him very quickly. And obviously it helps when you uh, when you beat Michigan, you know, the first two times that you play them. Um, as you guys know, when you've got a big rivalry game, it is always important not only on your calendar and, and, and in your pregame or in your preseason kind of a checklist of who we want to win, right, are things to do to be successful, but also just as a, as a program. Um, the, the Michigan State faithful want to win that game. The fact that they've done that now two years in a row and won all the games prior to that, he's becoming a, a, a god, you know, there in East Lansing. Um, and he, he's setting himself up with a beautiful foundation to have buy-in from not only his team, like I said, but but the Michigan State faithful. Bryce, speaking of that faithful, should the Michigan State faithful really, truly be looking at college playoff reservations? Should hmm. we be thinking about them as one of the four top teams based on going toe-to-toe what they did today? And to Hack's point, he said Michigan's got a lot of ball in front of him. Are all the goals still on the board for the Michigan State Wolverines? Yeah, I mean, I think no doubt. And I think when you watch a lot of games today, a lot of the guys had their first two out as Michigan State, Oregon, uh, to some degree. So some kind of throw into that. But um, you, you mentioned that they they do have their best ball in front of them because they have they go to Ohio State and then they host Penn State to end of the year. So. You know, right now with them being eight and zero, and and you're seeing guys drop out, you know, like flies in top twenty five every week. So it it they have what, um, it, you know, in terms of um, in, in terms of coming to a head of of the momentum, um, you know, big win today against a rival in this whole environment. I I wasn't really privy to the the little brother thing until this morning, which was pretty fun to watch. That tradition well, means a lot. I would assume. Go ahead, Heck. The funny thing is, is I think everyone was talking about Michigan State being the little brother, but they, up until this point, I think they won nine out of the last 13, and now they're 10 out of the last 14 after today, which is, I mean, they've done a great job. You know, yeah. I know they had a couple down years, but. No, I agree. I mean, so, it, so it's, it's, it's back to, to, you know, again, Big Ten football uh, running through Michigan, and we were talking about it, you know, the first couple of weeks, uh, you know, into the season that, man, Michigan is, is a state to, to not mess around with. So I, I do, I think they 100% have a right to sit there and, and they control their own destiny for sure. Uh, speaking of control and destinies, we are going to encourage you to grab something cold to sip on. <laughs> we got a tradition here uh, and, and we kind of got to fulfill this destiny of doing a toast. We do a toast each week to something that caught our eye or somebody we want to really uh, pay homage to in the college football world. First of all, uh, we want to pay homage to the godfather of college football coach. We saw you this morning up there in East Lansing, Lee Corso, big mm. toast, lifetime spent in college football coach. We love and respect you. We'll start in, uh, we'll start in big 10 country. Christian Hackenberg, your toast of the night goes to. Yeah, my toast tonight. I'm going to keep it simple and keep it on on uh, on topic mel tucker and kenneth walker i mean kenneth had what a buck 95 and five today and mel got those boys ready to beat beat jim harbaugh who was coming in there with a lot of momentum and a lot of steam so cheers to the spartans i know they're uh i know they're tearing it down in east lansing right now so you know here's to them 
Hey. Cheers. 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 Could be be less excited. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's, you know, it's, if you guys yeah. want to. You know, you could they told me, me I got to do this thing. So, I, I mean, <laughs> could have gone anywhere. I'll give it, it to them. It wasn't as exciting as before, but, I, you know, hey. I, we respect it. Nice petty. Yeah. I, shit, man. I, I don't know how you, you don't – I don't know how you go anywhere else. I mean, I would I would say Caleb Williams. I mean, man, six touchdowns is a great day. Anytime, anytime you go out, especially in our position, uh, in our QB room, and go put up uh, six touchdowns is, is a great feeling. Um, and he's just continuing to get better. Uh, just to, again, Kenneth Walker would be my toast, but because, you know, Hack mentioned it, and I think a lot of people around the country would, um, just to go somewhere else, I would say Caleb Williams with, uh, with six tutties as a freshman, um, tying uh, Landry Jones' record, I think, for touchdowns, and I think he broke it for yards for a freshman in a game. So, my wow. man, congrats. Here, here. Here, here. I am going to take night, my, my toast um, to a team that we'll talk about a little bit tonight, um, but but a team that is completely dominating the college football world. We talk about them week in and week out, um, specifically for their defense, but um, in, in the light of rivalry games, Georgia-Florida, always a huge rivalry game. We've talked about OU-Texas. We've talked about Michigan-Michigan State, how they always can be trap games that you go into a – um, you know, a game like that and anything could happen, uh, but a dominating performance by the Georgia Bulldogs and specifically that defense. I will give a toast to the Georgia Bulldog defense this week. Here, here. The White Walkers. All right. Yeah, I think we coined toast. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we that's did, us. Trevor. That's we got to get you up to speed. The Georgia Bulldogs. Are the White Walkers only a only a dead man would take the field against them? Mm-hmm. Um, the White Walkers. That that honestly, I truly hope the Heisman committee would think about sending all <laughs> eleven or fifteen man, guys. They should. they should get it going. Get it going. <laughs> Send all guys. eleven or fifteen guys and let them wear their suits and and you got a whole row and let them all go up there and touch that. That would. To me, that would that would um, that would be so special because those guys you're talking about as a unit and make them all a little replica one to take home with them. It's what happens when you see the uh, Oscars; the whole entire yeah. cast goes yeah. up there to just stand and be up. They need there, to be. So. They need to be in like tuxedo t-shirts, like cut off sleeve tuxedo t-shirts, and like yes. jean shorts. And walk just, Uga. Yeah, Uga yeah. should walk up there too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know. Those, those guys, I think that would be the best thing. My toast of the week, uh, quietly, this guy, this coach, has been under a lot of stress and strain. People talking about his job. They came out and played the Roman Army week one in Alabama, got beat. Week two, we didn't know him at the time that they were going to be a monster. They took on Michigan State, got beat. Kept their chin up. The Miami Hurricanes today tripped up mm. Pitt in a battle. A back-and-forth deal. We just watched Kenny Pickett. We talked about him last week. He still threw for, you know, half a thousand yards, it seems like, and he's still going to go on and do great things. But tonight, the Hurricanes got him. And I want to give a toast to Manny Diaz because, as you guys know, it is not easy when water is filling into the boat. People are jumping overboard, and you still have to stay at the lead at the helm. So, Coach Diaz, wherever you are, 
I hope you're sipping something. I hope at least you could, you know, exhale for this good night, mm-hmm. Coach Diaz. Mm. All right, fellas. So we got the toast. Before we jump into the toast, uh, send your questions in. We take those questions. We want to get them in wherever you are, whatever you're doing, breaking down tailgate, got your buddies over. You're at the bar. Everybody's, you know, together. Shoot the questions over. Get your team in. Knock us. Agree with us. Whatever it is, we're ready for it. Fellas, let's go now to Columbus. And the game is going on now, and it looks like it's going to go 12 rounds. Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, Trevor Knight, let's start with you. because We're, we're going to wind up – I'm going to let Cap, hack, cap this, but we're going to start with you. What's the biggest takeaway now? Ohio State, as we're on air right now, is up six, 30 to 24, with just under three minutes left in the game. You're talking about the number five team in the country. They probably think like they're just kind of finishing business to get to where their rightful birthplace is in the playoffs. And here's Penn State. Tough loss at Iowa. Tough loss the other night or, or last week against Illinois. Going toe-to-toe with them. What's your biggest impression so far of this heavyweight bout? You know, I think if we were talking a couple of weeks ago, um, we would have expected this type of, of turnout of a game, right? I mean, Penn State's a solid football team. Um, they've taken their lumps from time to time, but they've got the ability to go toe-to-toe with just about anybody. Um, I think what we see from this is two guys in C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson – that are a backbone of an offense that can put up points um, that can lead a football team down the field um, that can be trusted in, in crucial times during a game. Um, And then you can really put the weight of the shoulder on the, on their shoulders of an entire program, an entire fan base to say, Hey boys, let's, let's get on this wagon and let's run it to where we want to go to the promised land. Um, CJ Stroud's playing great football. Travion Henderson is running the football very, very well. Um, and those two guys are, are poking out as uh, two of the better better players in college football right now. Uh, I would agree. Bryce, when you're watching uh, Stroud and company, as, as Trevor just pointed to, they do look like one of the four best teams, but they do have to run a gauntlet. Like, that's the beauty of it. Yes, your locker room talent does merit a top four consideration, but you got you to gotta get in the ring and come out of the ring with the other heavyweights on this side of the division. If Penn State knocks off this team and they can march on through, is it realistic a two-loss Big Ten team can make noise for the playoff? Um. Uh, that that was tough. I mean, I I, I don't know because it, it's gonna fall. It's gonna fall with a you know do do they have enough to show that they're better than Alabama, right? Because I think you're gonna have I think you're gonna have George in there. If OU wins out Big Twelve, I think you're gonna have OU in there. Um, and then you're gonna have uh, again. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I like I like Big Ten football. I think I think Ohio State um, can make it through. Uh, they got at Nebraska. Uh, Purdue, uh, Michigan State, and then Michigan at home. I, I I do like them because again, like we've been talking about, and this is and this is kind of a common theme in this late October, November. As as us football dudes know, this is when you find out who you are. This is when you find out who your team is. Um, this is when you want to be hitting your stride. And I think you know to Trevor's point, 
Um, they've always had the right guys. They just had to, to, to uh, honestly just get plays under their belt. And I think CJ Stroud can operate this offense really well. Um, I think he's allowing the guys, they're doing a really good job of putting their, their playmakers in positions to be successful within CJ Stroud and what he does well. Um, and, and, and their defense is finally not killing them. Uh, because right. that was kind of what we saw at the beginning of the year was that their, their defense was just, just terrible. Um, and so they're, they're playing well right now. And, and this is, a, I, I, interestingly enough, on the flip side, I think this is Penn State. Um, I think they got chipped up by, by Illinois last, uh, last week looking ahead to this game. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, had, we had too many things. Um, there's a, it's a wee thing. We had too many things. There you go. Uh, that, that um, you know, that, that just showed me that's, that was the case. And so I think these guys are coming out this week going, man, this was, this was again that we were looking ahead. We got tripped up. Um, and so they're, they're, they're coming out, you know, throwing blows. And, um, but I, I, I it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, if, I think if Penn State can do um, and, and, and went out and, and again, win this game, they could make a case. I, I think it's, I think it'd be a, a damn shame for them not to. Hack. Penn State, these are your boys, and I, I do want to yeah. open it up, but I want to get this question in. If they can rally and knock off the number five team, then they got to turn around and go see who knows what Michigan State's going to be ranked, probably another number five. Then they still yeah. got to see Michigan with even though they got beat in a close one to the number six or seven, like Michigan's still going to be top 10, top 12. That's three big heads you can put up on your wall. Yeah, there yeah. was an ugly deal with Illinois. And I think the commission can understand what happened in Iowa. But who yeah. else has three top <clears throat> 10 wins coming down the back stretch? Yeah, the case, I, think, I think the argument and whether it's Penn State, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Michigan State, whether it's Michigan, right? I think I think the argument's going to be is the fact that those four programs have predominantly been within the top 10, 12 teams in the country for the past four or five weeks um, and are probably going to continue to scrap within the top 25 here until the end of the season. I think the argument's going to be that no matter what the wins and losses say, whoever comes out of this, they have to be sitting at that table or have an opportunity to be sitting at that table because the way the Big Ten's shaking out, whoever's in the West, I mean – Minnesota's leading the West now. I mean, Iowa got thumped today. Um, Wisconsin has kind of come on hot, but Minnesota still has to play Iowa and Wisconsin. But, like, to me, the West is a battle for second place. Like, whoever is going to play one of these, one of these guys that comes out of this, this gauntlet in the East here in the, in the final stretch, it's a battle for second place. They're good football teams, but I just don't think they have the juice. I think, Trevor, you made some really good points about Ohio State. I mean, that offense has hit their stride. Josh, Josh, uh, JP, Joshua Perry and I talked about it this week on our on our podcast. Ohio State's they can score with anybody. Defensively, they've had some issues, like Bryce was saying early on in the season. But, I mean, even tonight, they had a scoop and score. The defense is figuring out ways how to put the offense in good situations. And as long as you have a high-powered offense – that's kind of all you can ask for them is give us one or two timely turnovers or one or two, you know, stops and let us just go operate. And right. I think that's, I think that's the formula they've adopted. Um, 
But I think ultimately, whether it's Penn State, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Michigan State, whether it's Michigan, whoever survives this, they go on, they win the Big Ten. I think any of these teams deserve a seat just because of what they've what they've gone through. Uh, I think it, I think it merits any other conference in the country. It's, I think it's the closest thing in terms of a division within a conference to something that the SEC, when you know you have three or four teams that are really up in one side of that division or another. I think it's the only it's really the closest thing that we that we got. So, um, you know, and then with regards to Penn State, I think they're kind of going to be more in the spoiler seat now um, because of that Iowa or the Illinois loss. I think they're they're the guys that can kind of make some noise and ruin some things. So we'll see what happens. Um, but they got they got some work ahead. Everybody's got some work ahead. But I, I think that whoever wins this this conference deserves a seat. And whoever wins this conference will, will have done so with the whole country, like keying in on them. Pac-12, for all intents and purposes, like they're there. You guys are good. We, we, yeah. we get it. You checked in. You've already checked out. No problem. Cut the lights out on your way out. The ACC. ACC is the same way. The same way. All respect yeah. to Wake Forest. How you guys yeah. doing? So that's what sucks, right? Because you, you just had last five years or whatever. Clemson would go undefeated three of those five years, and they're number two and number three. Yeah. And Wake Forest has a chance to go undefeated in the ACC. And they're going to yep. be, hey, man, that Capital One Bowl's got your name all over it. <laughs> like, that just sucks. You know, it feels like. We're telling Wake Forest, hey, you guys, come on in. You can put your coats over there. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Bathrooms are over there. You've yeah, never yeah, been yeah, here yeah, before, yeah. so let me show you around. <laughs> <laughs> let me show you around. Yeah, welcome that, to the show, uh, young fella. Yeah, that, that fruit basket you were looking. We don't have fruit baskets here. They, they, we play for metal up here. But come on in. Go on. Tell your friends. Come on in. It's different with Wake Forest. And the SEC, that thing cleared up. Pretty quickly. You got the yeah. Roman army coming up yeah. on one side. You got the white walkers on the other. And you, all you guys are right about OU. Here comes the freshman phenom. They're on a march. Cincinnati's got noise to make. But it is still going to be determined on the eastern side of the Big Ten. Hey, before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new rush pay, instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable than ever before. With football season kicking off in the action, go to the get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older to participate. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLERS. All right, fellas, let's roll in here. We paid our dues to our big partner, Bet Rivers, big ups. Let's go now to the uh, biggest cocktail party. Is that what they call that down there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the biggest cocktail <laughs> party in the world in Jacksonville. The oh, Florida I thought Gators. you were talking about the, the Waco game. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, you know oh, what? Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we had is. that all the way down. <laughs> That is legitimately we, we, uh, a we thing. That's a legit we. Yeah, that's a that is a legit. <laughs> I see Petty trying to get you guys in there, as we just see Ohio State. The time will Ohio come. Ohio State took care of their business, but 
Um, for you Baylor fans, hold there for a second. That's a great hold tease. There. You want to stick to see what Bryce Petty says about Baylor. Let's go here, Hack. Georgia, Florida, the Gators, yeah. who started the season top 10. I mean, hey, it's a topsy-turvy run here that they've been on, trying to find yeah. the right quarterback, trying to get everything, get their feet back on the ground. They just scorched the whole earth last year, and all their guys went in the first round. They went up against the White Walkers, and this is a very un-Florida schedule, but it is a very Georgia Bulldog result, 34-7. Hack, when you see this, and again, they're not squeaking past anybody. Everybody is getting, you know, they're, they're eviscerating everybody. Anybody can get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we learning anything more or are they just really driving the point home that we are the ones? Well, I mean, I think I think that we've talked about it and we've hit it enough. And obviously, as I've said since week one here that we've been together, they've been my they were my national championship pick and they've done nothing but prove it. I think that defense and we we can keep beating a dead horse here, but that defense is phenomenal. They keep proving it week in, week out. They show me. I respect the hell out of that. And really, there's nothing more to say. They they keep doing it. They come up. They show up. I think offensively, they got enough firepower to be able to do what they got to do because that defense puts them in great situations. Um, you know, for, for from a Florida standpoint, it, it's just when you're going up against a well-oiled machine, it is hard when you have some turmoil, whether it be uncertainty at the quarterback position Really importantly at that position, that's something you can't have some uncertainty at heading into a game like this against a, against a team like that. So uh, to me, uh, Georgia did what I expected Georgia to do. And, uh, you know, Florida just happened to be in the crosshairs this week. And I think that's going to be the theme moving forward with Georgia um, up until that Alabama game and that and then in the SEC championship game. So, um, you know. Keep, keep, keep going, Uga. Keep going. The uh, Trevor, Ken Uga, going right off of what Hack is saying. Uga welcomes Missouri next week at Tennessee, Charleston Southern. I'm asleep on Charleston Southern. You guys could be undefeated or winless. I got to catch up on that. At Georgia Tech, it might be a 68 point favorite. Georgia, <laughs> Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston Southern. <laughs> Georgia Tech, if there was a scare waiting, just like we watched, and Hack made the point, Penn State, one of you guys made the point, Penn State could have been looking ahead, going in the ring with Illinois, peeking around the corner, trying to see what Ohio State's got coming. Georgia's got Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern, Georgia Tech. Which one of those games should we pay attention to, if any, if that the White Walkers could get tripped up? I'll start off by saying I don't think we have to worry about any. Georgia's a team this year that, you know, turn on the game, don't turn on the game, check your ESPN app, you know what's coming, right? <laughs> They're it a focused matter. football team. They're it, a focused football team. They are focused. For a bunch of college guys, they just yep. keep it going, man. Uh, they they, they give in, me more no, confidence in, in knowing, like, hey, they're, they're not the type of, of, of immature teams that wouldn't show up when they have destiny basically in their hands, right? The only game that would even be appetizing would be at Tennessee, just because, you know, Neyland Stadium 
It's a it's a really cool venue to play at. They can get rowdy in there. I like what Josh Heupel is doing up there. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's but but that's gonna be a that's gonna be a blowout. You know, um, what what you see from this Georgia team, we've absolutely hit on their defense. George, you want their whole defense to go to New York City as part of the the Heisman trip, which I completely agree with. But they also establish a run game, and that's yep. what they do on the offensive side of the ball. And and I hate to say this, but the best teams, because you know we're offensive guys, right? You don't have to have a huge playmaker at the quarterback position or even on the offensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. to go and win football games. You got to have a stout defense and you got to be able to establish a run game. I mean, Stetson Bennett threw two picks today. You know, he did not play a great game and they still walk out of there completely unfazed, little blemishes. He may go get a little shoulder rub tomorrow in the training room, but that's about it. It was not a dog yeah. fight. They, they, gave, they gave up their, like, 28th point of the year. Yeah, here we go. Right. Does anybody even say anything to Stetson Bennett on the sideline on that pick, or does the defense say, man, we were kind of getting cold over here anyway? <laughs> Hero either way, right? I mean, what a great place to be in. You walk out of there, you could throw four picks. Your defense is creating turnovers and doing what they're doing. Man, you go to the bar after the game, you're the hero regardless. They got their <laughs> yeah. – hey, that's, that's the one thing about defensive guys too is I've never noticed like offensive guys rolling up to a bar like six, seven, eight deep. Them defensive dudes coming to bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the whole days. line. And then there's another deep. line behind them. This whole day. Man, it is. Uh, yes, sir. Head hey, hunting, Petty. Head hunting. Speaking – so let's just go right off of what Trevor – Trevor teed us up perfectly – Georgia is one of those unique teams like Michigan kind of has flirted with running McCarthy in and, and McNamara. And, and honestly, I thought today that cost them. They, I thought they should have just given Mc, Mc, uh, McNamara the ball, the back half, let them bring you yeah. guys home. Yeah. Other yeah. teams have kind of played with that. Some just flat make a switch. Here's Georgia down there because it was necessary because of injuries. JT Daniels, we're rolling. Bennett, we're rolling. Yes, the defense does what they do. But talk about – like, would you break down for, for us and for people how well balanced and, and how strong you got to be as an offensive unit to whichever quarterback steps in there, we're going forward regardless? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think the one that goes back to the culture thing, right, because I, I think if you have an identity as an offense or a defense or just blanket of the team – and you know that, hey, you know, doesn't matter if Trevor and I or Hack or Isaiah, we're, we're rolling. That says a lot about the team. That says a lot about the coach, the leadership um, in that world. And, and specifically for, um, if for a mature team as well, because there's a lot of egos nowadays. And we were talking about it last week with this whole transfer portal and this NIL thing. You got a lot of these dudes kind of beating their chest at like 15, 16 now. Um, that doesn't matter until you start playing on the field. Um, but when you have cats that have leadership and, and have been there and done that um, and their, and their leader leadership is, is throughout just the position groups, not just like, you know, the quarterback, the middle linebacker, the safety the punter, whatever I'm talking about leaders through in there throughout each position group. That's when you know that you have something um, one that can sustain who's ever in there. Um, and it's kind of a next man up mentality, but that's also what's going to bring you, um, you know, two conference championships and in the playoffs, because it's, 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 again, it's, it's something that is contagious and you want to do as best as you can 
um, to get to those to, to the championship games. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now. Hey, we just got a couple of questions. Uh, Bryce, I agree with you 100%. We got a couple of questions here. First, John C. from New Mexico for Christian Hackenberg. Is Walker the number one running back in the country? Yeah, I, so so it's funny. Bryce is shaking his head because he's all on Bijan. But I'll tell you what, man. Um, Walker, we actually had this little discussion throughout the day today, and and – I think that that guy is one of the most complete backs. He reminds me very much of Le'Veon Bell. I said this yep. to you guys as well. I think, I think he might even have a little bit more juice in terms of second yeah. burst and, and last gear in, in the open field than Le'Veon had, at least in college. Um, I love the guy. I think he's a fantastic, I think he's a fantastic prospect. Uh, stays healthy. I hope the best for him. Um, and it's hard. I think that position has gotten so hard to define what you're looking for because of the disparity within systems moving forward. You know, some systems need certain guys to be able to have a skill set, like the saints, for example, like Alvin Kamara fits so well in there mm. because they throw him the football so much. He's yeah. not expected to be a, a between the tackles guy, but he can do it. I, I think, I think, I think Kenneth is a guy who can fit into many different systems, but I think his bread and butter is that, between the tackles, zone Definitely. scheme, he's, he's, he's going to be a guy. Who's guy. Gonna get, yeah, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get twenty twenty five carries a game, and he could also not be a guy that you need to take off the field on third down because he can't catch the football. And if you get him the ball in space, he can't. It's not like he can't do those things as well. So I think he's a very well well rounded prospect, and I think there is an argument for him as the top back in the country. Um, just because of what he's put on tape so far, I, I I've been really impressed with him. I love watching him play. Uh, another question here coming in, ironically, Paulie D out of New York and, and <laughs> here we go. says, guys, Dude, I love your show, Paulie D. Thanks, brother. Paulie D, what's up, man? Respect. Paulie D <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll York. give you a toast. I can only hope that it is Paulie D. In fact, if it is, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no doubt. No doubt. Run hell of a we'll run. S- we'll say it is regardless. We'll I think, are we, are we at Jersey Shore? Are we at, uh, are we at, I don't know, Europe like, still? Or good, good question. He's know, in New regardless. York. Bryce and and Trevor, we'll throw it to you because it just says, "Hey guys, hey guys, you guys have won big games. You've won big home games, and your crowd didn't rush the field. How do you feel about Ohio State fans rushing the field <laughs> after beating a ranked a come on man Penn State? That is a come on man. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, it's bad. Um, Act like you've been there before, right? It's bad. I mean, we Bryce and I beat up on Kansas. I mean, Kansas, right? They got a win over an FCS team. It was cool. It was cute. It was funny. They rushed the field. But how many times have we seen this throughout the year now, right? It's like every time we win a game that we need to win to go, you know, fulfill what we're trying to do at the beginning of the year, our fan base wants to rush the field. They don't understand, right? I get that. They, they just want to get out there and have a good time, take a fun picture, be next to the players, all that it's kind of stuff. But, but from a, from, from a, you know, an outsider standpoint, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's not something you do. You reserve rushing the field for absolute big time. Top a tree down, Trev. I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's – I just I, – I hate it. I, I absolutely hate it. I rushed the field – I got the field rushed on me 
uh, a couple times, unfortunately. And then I got to I got to rush the court in a basketball game where we beat Kansas. And that was like a big deal, but I still felt a little awkward walking off. Like, man, this is a little embarrassing. So to do that at any given night, I, I, don't, I don't like it. So Bryce, can you, how would you feel? You're the, you're, you're leading the fifth ranked team and you guys have been ranked that high when you were leading the helmet Baylor. You're the fifth ranked team hosting a 20th ranked rival. You beat the rival solid win, no 70 yard field goal, no hail Mary required. You beat them. You planned on beating them, and you beat them. And I've been at Baylor, where your, your stands, those guys are breaking arms and legs to jump down that eight-foot brick wall or whatever it is, and the frat boys, are they're in their sperries, and here they come regardless. But if you're the, you're the favorite and you win, and here your crowd comes rushing, how do you feel as the quarterback, as the leader of that organization? Yeah, look, uh, this is how I'm going to say it, okay? I, I don't know how you guys are, but but at a bar, I never turned down a chick that gave me a number. I don't care. Man, it's, it's <laughs> ball. I love it. I love it. Rock and roll. You come uh, on. Come, no come on. It, it You don't have to. Just because Alabama doesn't rush the field ever, because Nick Saban would probably find every student body member that there is. Dude, I, I love it. I Give love all the money to Bryce Young. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the fans are engaged, whether it's a TikTok moment or not recruiting tool or not, which I think half of half of that is a recruiting tool. Um, man, it's it's college football. And, and to me, especially just this year alone, I will say what we went, what everybody went through last year. Man, it's so great to have ball back. So I I invited all this year, a couple of years down the road, maybe I'll have a different opinion. Here's what I'm gonna say. Why's it gotta be Penn State? You never State? got a you get you never got a chick's number at a ball. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, 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 no. Why's it gotta be Penn oh. State though? I mean, Iowa, Iowa comes in there and Iowa rushes the field when they were uh, they were ranked higher than Penn State at home. And then Ohio State, like what what do they got against the Nittany Lions, man? I mean, these guys they're just <laughs> they're minding their own business up in Happy Valley, and then all of a sudden it's like, what's what's going on here, guys? I I respect it, Bryce. I'm on I'm on page with you, but Let's diversify a little bit. Let's yeah, let's diversify yeah. the portfolio. Let's get this. Let's get this going on <laughs> elsewhere, please, for my for my sanity. All right. Hey, cool. let let's talk about we we got a we got a uh, a college football fan out there. Talk about diversifying the portfolio, my man, Miles Osborne. Miles, on the streets of South Beach in Miami, about to head out. Wanted to stop and ask you, Bryce Petty, can Baylor honestly win the Big 12? Before he goes and hits the bar in Miami? Yeah, I love it, too. Honestly. I, I, no, I didn't. I that's didn't your do. plans. Hey, can we just raise a glass? My man wanted to get some thoughts on his team before he goes in and puts up his shots. I, th- I think my guy's glass got tonight, sir. Use the glass. Yeah, he's got a bookie. Right. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. And, and Trevor and I were talking about this um, last week on our podcast. I think our, I think the Baylor schedule sets up the best out of at the time. Okay, it was Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Iowa State got knocked off in a trap game, which I I've mentioned. West Virginia is is, is it's a trap game every year. Um, but but I think Baylor's schedule sets up better. Because OU has three games left. They got to play Iowa State, Baylor, and OU. Top three, top three teams in the conference. Um, Oklahoma State um, has, again, the trap game at West Virginia, TCU, Tech, and then OU. So theirs is a little bit 
um, again, on that softer side in terms of where all the standings are in the Big 12. But I, I really like where Baylor's at right now trending up they know who they are they've known who they are um they're gonna they're gonna run the ball down your throat uh, with Tristan Ebner and Abram Smith uh, Gary Bohannon's playing really really well um he's just operating and that defense right now is loving being out there it's I mean I know that we talked about this Georgia defense they're, they're, I, I, look I, I love my Baylor faithful I'm not comparing Georgia defense and Baylor defense because it's it, it is night and day those guys are mammoths over there um, in Athens, but at the at the same time, you love seeing guys fly around. So I, I really do think that Baylor is hungry. They're gearing up to to make a run down the stretch. So yeah, I think I, it, they have just as good a chance as anybody. Um, you know, with with that schedule and the way they're setting up. I feel like we owe our man Osborne probably dressed to the nines, got the Jays, found either made a couple of friends or bringing some friends with him. I felt yeah. like we owe him a hell yes, we got this, or we probably don't. But regardless, Osborne, you got it straight from the man himself. Uh, All I want to, I wish he'd tweet back and tell us if it's three or four buttons undone from the top. I feel like I, they're, I'm just I picturing mean, that three or four button guy. He probably would have got a little looser if you were like, absolutely. Ozzy. Yeah. Did I not say that? Absolutely. No, well, you're I mean, timid. It was a, timid. It was a story somewhere between chapters four and five. Damn, I always, get, I always get trapped with the stories with Wit, man. Hell yes, we can win. Yeah. Well, there we go. go. Not a now go, now go fist down. bump. Now go fist bump. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, we're there now, so we're going to stay there. Let's talk Longhorns, Baylor Bears. Uh, Bryce, we're gonna, you're going to back clean up on this. Trevor, once again, the Longhorns take the fourth quarter with the lead. Once again. Uh. They come off the field with a loss. What 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 is the what's the essence of this with the Longhorns? What is it? If you can battle three quarters and be on top, why can't you battle the fourth one and and, and finish it out? Something that a coach always would ask me at different levels of playing football, middle school, high school. You hear it the whole time you're growing up in in the sports world is. Hey, it's okay to make a mistake. Just don't make the same mistake twice. Or in this case, three times now, four times. You know that Steve Sarkeesian is pulling that team together and saying, guys, look, we, we've put ourselves in a good position for three quarters, multiple times now, and we're not getting it done in the fourth. Let's not let that happen again. And it continues to happen. There's, uh, Like I've said, week, and y'all know how I feel about this. It is so much more than just a surface-level problem down there in Austin. There's a lot more going on. There was a couple weeks ago we sat on this show and talked about if Texas could come into the Cotton Bowl and beat OU. And, yeah, it's all fun to talk about. But in, real, in reality, there was no shot for that. They don't have the foundation as a culture and as a team to really go through any sort of gauntlet and come out on the right side of that fine line. We saw it again this weekend. Hats off to Baylor. They're playing really good football, but you got to learn how to finish, and I think it goes way past just a surface-level problem. Hack, we're, we're going to go to Bryce because he, he's this is his, yeah. and he's going to go yeah. clean up. So we're going to start with you. What Trevor's saying – to me reads one of two ways either this is a really like a like a a problem at the core or 
they're cutting their teeth for what's to come. Which is it? Is that me or Bryce? Yeah, me? no, this okay, is you. Yeah. This is you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's interesting. I um, – jeez, my dog's coming over here. Um, I think uh, to answer your question, I think it's probably more of a core problem right now, but I think what they can do as a program is hang their hat on this moving forward, right? I don't think this is something that you can address right now. Where the season is – this is something that they're going to have to deal with because to me as a football team and as a program within your locker room, you either have the ability to finish games or you don't. And Texas has proved that they don't have that ability. So that's not something that's fixed immediately. It's not something that's addressed during the bye week. That's not something that's addressed in season. That's that's shit that's addressed during the off season, how you guys handle and approach workouts how you guys handle and approach spring ball, how you guys handle and approach that whole, that whole process to me, that's where that, that's where that kill finish step on the throat, nail in the coffin type mentality comes from. I don't uh, know if it's not that it was developed or not, but that's where it is. So that's for me. Um, I hope that they're just cutting their teeth right now and being able to develop that for the coming years, because that's where their mind should be finish strong and see what happens next year. Hey, real quick, Bryce, we're coming right to you. You're going to take us out on this one. Molly from Santa Monica wants to know if you could show the dog. Oh, yeah, try to, try, to lift, try to lift that sucker. Come here. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big joker. Where you at, dude? Right there. There he is. There he is. That wood floor. What's dude. up, bud? What's up, bud? Hey. Yeah. Old Fresh out of the lab. swamps. Fresh out What's, of the swamps. That's that bamboo, isn't it? Hey, that's that bamboo, isn't it? That's bamboo hack. <laughs> I like that. My man got. My man went to Argentina on that one. Uh, Bryce Petty, there you go. First of all, Molly, thank you. I know Santa Monica. You guys don't turn up for a bit, but you're watching you and your girls. Thanks for the question. We're here for all that. I'm glad Christian was able to answer that. Bryce Petty, Dagan, talk to the producer. Can you put up the stat board for Baylor, Texas? Can we just look at the at the fallout? Bryce, there we go. This is yours. You see what happened even over there on the left side, the nation's number one running back 43 yards. I, I thought it, I just text and asked, was it a misprint? At, is it supposed to be 143? Bryce, it's yours. It's yours. Run with it. Well, I mean, you know, to, to the, to the previous question that you asked hack and, and even Trevor, I, it, I think it's bullshit. And, 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 and I know that's harsh, but, Man, you're you're the University of Texas, man. You you have how many how many kids do they have to interview to be like, man, like what team did you watch growing up? When you were in peewee football, what did you what colors did you put on? Man, you you always put on a Longhorn. I didn't, but I wasn't from here, right? Trevor talks about a Tommy. I mean, it, he was a Longhorn. So so what? I don't know if like you know, Coach Herman Boone needs to come out of out of you know WC Whiteside or or uh, with remember the Titans or what. But you have to know who you are and, and you have to come together from a leadership. And, and they've had good guys, but I don't think that they've had guys that, to truly understand grit and understand the tradition of what, you know, Texas was back in the day and where they are now. Because I think that if you had some of those old cats come in there, 
I mean, I'm talking like the dudes, you know, Earl Thomas and Sergio Kendall and, and um, they, I mean, hell, even if you go to Ricky, Ricky Williams and Edward, like those, those guys would be so pissed off. I think at, at, if you asked them, Hey man, if you gave up three games in the fourth quarter, Straight. what are you going to say? Like, what, what are we even talking about, man? This is, this is university. Those guys could slap an offer on, on the table of, of, of probably 95% of the country and guys would, would be accept. killing. Oh, guys would be killing to get down in Austin. So Bryce, let me ask you this. Is that a recruiting situation that you're recruiting individuals that have no dog to them? Or is that a developmental deal mm. because they are yours once they get to the building, yeah. feet on the planet of Texas? And you guys know you're around your football people all day, every day, off season, in season. Like, we, like you're there. So. Yeah. If Mel Tucker and Michigan State can rev up in year two, and we were none of us were walking around thinking about Michigan State, and man, here they come, or every kid in the Midwest wants to go to Michigan State, because that's honestly, like, they're one of the schools kids would be happy to hear from, but they don't have the draw that the Longhorns have. So is that a recruiting thing that you're not identifying dogs? You're getting some talent, some talent. Or is that a developmental thing? that you're just not whoever's at the helm, like building, bringing yeah. them along. No, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. And I, and, I, and I think it's just a sign of the times right now, because again, man, when you're 15, 16, beating your chest because you got offers doesn't mean jack to me. As, as a player in that locker room, that doesn't mean anything. Until you show what you could do on the field for, for the team that I'm playing for right now, whether that's Baylor, or Texas, Penn State, Oklahoma, doesn't matter. Until you show up, and win games for me, I don't care what you did in high school. And I think too often now kids are, are too caught up in this, the, the Twitter, the TikToks and how cool I am in high school. Um, that's what gets to the recruiting phase of that question that now that the development phase of that question is, is I go right back to coach Bryles. I mean, Bryles set the tone for a blue chip. <laughs> that thing was, was painted um, and, and coded about three or four times, um, you know, every week that it does not matter who you are, where you came from, what you did last game. Um, uh, that stuff doesn't matter. It's, it's, we, this, this coming week, this next week, that's all that matters. And that's all we have is, is the name that you play for on the front and the name that you have on your back. And if you don't care about that name, if you don't care about the product that you put on the field, no one else does. And, 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 and that's where I think that development comes from. And it has to come from the top down. If, if you are losing games in the fourth quarter because of grit, if you're losing games in the fourth quarter because of just pure execution, um, you know, the execution phase, that's, that's coaches and things like that, but just the, the grit of it. And when you watch this Longhorn team and, and throughout not only this season, but just the past seasons as well, no one's even fired up on the sideline that they're losing. I don't want to be sitting here being a couch quarterback on, on this podcast saying, I don't know what's going on in the locker room, but it just shows on the field that it just doesn't look like they even care that they're losing. It's just a weird, weird deal. Trevor Knight, let's go right off of what Bryce is saying. Bryce opened it up about culture, and I agree with him in some play. Like it, it's certainly a culture thing, but I don't know if it's a broad brush across the board. We're also talking generationally with social media and et cetera. Trevor, hack. Kentucky, Cincinnati, uh, Michigan State, Ole Miss, Baylor. Just off the top of my head, just as Bryce is talking, 
Would you guys consider those five programs, would you consider them blue collar or blue blood? Absolutely blue collar. And, and I'll say this because my comments have all been bashing the, the Texas culture, which I'll continue to do until it, it turns around. But I am a believer in <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian. This is not – I'm sorry. It's just horrible. <laughs> it, I, I am a believer in Steve Sarkeesian. And, and to both of y'all's point, it, is it a development? Is it a recruiting? Well, you can understand the dog in somebody when, when Steve Sarkeesian or Jimbo Fisher or, or any of these coaches go and sit on the track and, and watch these guys work out as they're recruiting them. You can tell. How do they interact with their teammates in high school? How do they carry themselves? Are they actually, you know, bending down and touching their toes during stretch or are they walking around and, and they're too good to be there, right? Like it's little things that you can pick up on doing that. And then also when you have a, a conversation with them, right? You sit in their living room and you talk to them. You can look in somebody's eye and know if they've got some dog in them. Sure, you're going to go out and get the best players and, and it's your opportunity and it's your, uh, uh, it's your duty to develop those guys and get them to buy in. But for the most part, during the recruiting process, you should be able to tell if there's a guy with some dog in him. My whole point about the culture at Texas is that it goes beyond the players. These guys want to win football games, right? Like they, they put on the pads every day. They don't want to go out there and not represent. That's a horrible, horrible feeling. Steve Sarkeesian wants that team to win, right? They, they want it. I, I don't think they have a lack of want to. I think it goes much deeper into the past decade of boosters and fan base and um, um, just, you know, scars that they're going to have to heal and put band-aids on and, and let those wounds heal so that they can finally get to that point like a Michigan state and say, Hey, world's against us. Let's just put our head down and go to work. We don't have to worry about the Longhorn network. We don't have to worry about all this money and this new stadium and the, all this extra noise. Let's focus on putting our hand in the dirt, lining up from the guy across from us and being just a little little bit better than he is, just a little bit tougher than he is, and, and finish on the right side of that fine line at the end of each one of these games. Well, speaking of finishing on the right side of the line today, Gary Bohannon, uh, big respect. Man, he's let a hot Baylor squad coming down the back stretch here. Our own Bryce Petty had a chance to, to catch up with, with Gary at the end of a big win against their rival Texas Longhorns. Uh, if we're ready, let's take a look. Started the recording, and you guys got to get the scruffs or wherever, <laughs> wherever you guys are going. Uh, but hey, man, first off, congratulations um, on the big win against uh, Texas today, um, thirty-one to, to twenty-four. Man, if you could just just tell me, because it, it, look, there was some there was some ups and downs in this game. I mean, what what does it say to not only just the locker room um, and and the culture that you guys present? game in and game out but but just knowing that there's going to be ups and downs in the games and, and you guys just stay together will you just talk me through kind of the game and what you guys felt going into halftime kind of at halftime taking the lead um you know and then and then ultimately that you know kneeling which is the best uh in our world and quarterbacks that's the best play you can have so uh, beginning of the game everybody was fired up um kind of got a, got out there in the game and you know how we expect after uh, two interceptions you know in the first half um, i just felt like when we came back in um, everybody was looking at each other and telling each other, we got your back. Like, a lot of guys came up to me and told me, we got your back. And just to actually feel that and know that, like, it's easy for somebody to say that, 
But mm. it's when you can actually, it's a difference when you can really feel that from coming from your teammates. I think everybody just enjoyed this game so much. And I think with the adversity and the tough situation we've been in throughout this year and the offseason, I think we just know we're going to stick together, like no matter what, no matter what, down, up, we're going to stick together. And it's just, um, I know, like, and we came in the halftime, we all, I mean, are talking, just talking about that, that was not good enough. That wasn't yeah. football. That wasn't our brand of football. And, like, for us, when that is addressed, we know that. Like, we come in there, we know we didn't play well. But it's like, yeah. when we're addressing it here, it's like, okay, it's go time. We got to go now. We got to play. We got to pick it up. And it was just the excitement. Like, we left out the locker room, everybody smiled. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, me, I'm, a, I'm like, wow, like, this is real football. We've been yeah. with, like, and just going out there, like, guys really were ready to play. Like, I, like, I felt that, and I'm pretty sure every coach felt that, like, we were going to win that game. Like, no matter what happened in the game, we knew we were going to win. We knew it was going to take it one play at a time, and we knew we were going to outplay them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you could tell. And like I said, I mean, on the, on the sideline, you could tell there's energy. Um, it's so evident whether you're in the locker room before as, as an old player like myself or just a fan, you can tell, man. And that's, that's such a, a cool testament to you guys. Will you talk a little bit about Coach Aranda and just what, you know, from the COVID year last year to this year, just the growth and maturity that I feel like you guys have had in that leadership role and, and what that means to, to take games again like today um, and just know that you're going to win. What's, what's that been like and in, in really the progression since last year for you guys? Um, I think first off, starting with Coach Aranda, just last year with COVID, I don't think we really got the opportunity to just really bond with him and understand who he was as a person. I don't think he really got the opportunity to just understand what he had here as a team. Like, as, you, as we talked earlier about culture, I don't think last year we had the time to introduce and really acknowledge a culture, like exactly what the culture was, what we wanted here, what we wanted to be. I think um, last year just with COVID, everybody was trying to figure it out, trying to figure each other out. It just wasn't a mutual understand there wasn't um, a passion with each other there wasn't much love and we just didn't understand each other so it was just um, honestly just spending more time like this summer he would have us um, meeting um, at least once a week breaking off into groups just talking about life us getting to know each other but I think that is an aspect that is ignored when it comes to playing football but I think everything starts with this team with off the field like we are really a family like some I know I've been in locker rooms where uh Offense and defense were more separate. There was guys pointing fingers. There's mm-hmm. a lot of that around here. Like everybody yeah. just pulled each other, loved each other, dap each other up. And you watch the game, you got offensive guys coming to the defensive huddle, defensive yeah. guys coming to the offensive huddle, special teams, but it's just it's just a coach and everybody's enjoying the game. And it's just to know that you have a coach that really loves you and really um love his game and is doing everything in his power to make put us in the best situation. It's just uh, just a great feeling. I think everybody feels that. So it's like we plan for each other. Coaches, they coaching for us. Like everybody yeah, yeah. in this together, and everybody know that we're in this together. Like they're not just saying it's not something that has to be said. It's a feeling that everybody gets. So I think that's really what it is. I love it. I love it. And and again, talking with Gary Bohannon, quarterback of the the Baylor Bears, number sixteen ranked, definitely going down, which I love. Um, so okay, we got to talk about this because I really think, and it's something that I've been talking about. You guys kind of control your own destiny here on out. I mean, this has got to be exactly where you guys want to be. No one expected y'all. Uh, to be where y'all are, which is totally fine. I mean, and, and you know, we know, man, that that's totally fine. It, in the locker room, it's all about what we believe and what we know, and, and who cares what everybody else thinks. But uh, being on this side now, I get to talk about it a little bit, so that's fun. So you guys got – you're going to TCU next week. You got a big game at OU um, at K-State and then finish with Texas Tech. Just talk – do you guys talk about 
you know, hey, we have a, a chance to control our own destiny? Or are you guys going to give me the political answer? Are you going to give me the political answer of, of it's just one game at a time? What is that like knowing that, man, we have what we need to control our own destiny here on out? I can promise you this is really not a political answer. Like, it is yeah. truth. It is really one day at a time. I love it. I love it. Like, I know you've been in the locker room, so guys have said that before in the past. We said that, but if you go pick five players off the team, they can't tell you who we played in three weeks. They couldn't tell you. Love it. I mean, not, they couldn't tell you. Like, to be honest with you, I didn't even know we had TCU next week. <laughs> I just, I don't I don't think guys care about that. I think guys, like, this is a team where I actually see guys looking for areas to improve each and every day and just want to get better and take it one game at a time. And it's just such a great feeling, to be honest with you, because that's how I think. Like, I'm really not on to the next opponent. Like, for me, um, tomorrow I'll be on TCU, but but I really I don't think nobody really think about it. Like, yeah, a lot of people say one game at a mindset, like kind of brushing off, but they're thinking ahead. We are really a one game at a time team, and I think that's really the reason, a big part of why we have success. Like everybody just want to get better in so many different ways. Like whether it's getting better at studying film, getting better at finding these keys that can help me out in this play, or either just getting better on the field, find a, a way to block better. Uh, position that body better or running this route better, throwing this pass like this. Like, it's just everybody looking for ways to improve and everybody pushing each other to improve. Like, at practice, you feel it like we have, we can have a bad start or a bad period or something, and it's everybody's coming up, calling each other, come on, come on, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. Like, we got to find a way to get better. And it's like, that's what you feel um, during the practice week, during the game. It's just, it's just a great feeling, man. It's a great feeling. That's great. That's great. Well, hey, I won't take up too much time. I know that Scruffs is calling. Uh, the, the frat house is calling. The sorority house. Uh, Gary Bohannon, man, thank you so much for, for spending time with us at Field of 12 um, after Dark Show. And hey, congratulations again on the win today. Everything that you guys have done. I know that you have already told us that y'all have some unfinished business and uh, go take care of business. Stay healthy and uh, hope to talk to you soon, man. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Congrats, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. No doubt. see we're locked and loaded this is a big fourth quarter for us it is all business first coming off that interview one Baylor Bear talking to another Baylor Bear Bryce what was your biggest takeaway from the time you spent with Gary Bohannon uh, what I just I just love the kid I mean he's just so likable I mean what what we just talked about I asked him three questions and it took 12 minutes it was fantastic but I just I love his progression the guys really progress into a quarterback he's leading his team they're seven and one and all he could talk about was the guys the energy the culture everything that we've been talking about in this podcast Dave Aranda has that locker room exactly where he needs to have it love him all right as you can see those of you who are with us go grab your folks you see it's serious football business now serious mm. business we're going to start here we're going to go down conference by conference who do we feel is going to be the lead dog coming out of each conference. Let's start in the Big 12 since we're there already. We're going to go with you, Trevor Knight. Where is the Big 12 conference going to end up? This past week on our, uh, on our podcast, Bryce and I, they're following the Big 12. Um, and my chin strap's getting in the way here. I've grown a little bit over the years. But uh, <laughs> we have talked about – that HGH. Yeah. We've it's talked about how there's a clear front runner, right? And that's the Oklahoma Sooners right here. Um, they, if they go unscathed cool, yeah. through the rest of this season, 
that sets up that number two spot to go play in the title game against them. It, it sets it up for pure mayhem, right? Because Oklahoma still has got to go on the road and play Baylor. They host Iowa State, which could you know, still be a trap game, even though Iowa State lost today. And then they go and play the Bedlam game at Oklahoma State to finish the year. So you've got Oklahoma undefeated. You've got Oklahoma State and Baylor with one loss. And then you've got a, a handful of teams with, with two and more losses. So right now it's a three-legged race. If Oklahoma wins out, they're in, which I believe that they will. That gives both Oklahoma State and Baylor two losses. Oklahoma State has the head-to-head over Baylor. So even though I think Baylor is the second-best team in the Big 12 right now, they pretty much at this point have to beat Oklahoma at home to get into the Big 12 title game, and then they'll have to repeat that win to go uh, and get a Big 12 title since uh, the days of Bryce Petty down there. So it is certainly an uphill battle for the guys down in Waco. Can it be done? Yes, but just like you're circling OU on the calendar for the Big 12 title game, you got to circle them on November 13th because that's going to that's gonna get you in because of that loss that they had against Oklahoma State earlier in the year. Precursor, so, we, we may or may not rush the field. So, so just to be sure on that, Trevor Knight, John in New Mexico, Pauly D in New York, Molly in Santa Monica, and everybody else out there, do they put their Bet Rivers chips on Oklahoma or do they put their Bet Rivers chips on Baylor? Yeah, I wasn't clear. I, I, mean, I wasn't like, clear I, with that either. This, with, the, the, it was an incredible tale. It was yeah, all no us. Doubt, it was riveting. No put, put a lot your, of Baylor in there. A lot of Baylor in there. Baylor's playing good football. Don't get me Thank wrong. You. But, guys, let's look at history here. Six straight Big 12 titles for the men in Crimson and Cream. They're on path to do the same thing this year. They're undefeated. Everybody wants to talk about, yeah, it's, it's like the Alabamas, anybody else who's had success in the world, you are looking and trying to find a way to, to, to trip them up. And I just don't see it happening again this year. It's a battle for second place to get to the title game. You, you can start talking about the fact that because of the way the Big 12 is shaped up with only, uh, you know, the amount of teams that they have, that they have to beat them twice, which is tough to do. Oklahoma's proven that they can do that over the last six years. Um, they are the juggernaut. They're the team to beat. Put your chips on them. I think they run away with it. We'll just see who they, they, they line up against uh, December 4th in, in Jerry World. Well, yeah, Jerry World's a real deal, but – there's a crew in Lawrence, Kansas, who wasn't that far off from taking this whole thing down. I mean, I love it. I would buy the book. I would buy the book. I would buy the book. He just pinned it up, sign it for me, Trevor. But I'm just saying, I know a crew, a biker crew, like a 12-speed crew, not a not a this type of crew. There's some 12-speed guys in Lawrence, Kansas, who almost pretty much smashed all that. But we're rolling. So, Pauly D, you got your answer in the Big 12. Trevor says, OU, he did lay out the weak points of the season that it could happen, but he says, OU. Bryce Petty, could you speak to who the big dog is in the conference formerly known as the ACC? Yeah, certainly. Thanks. Thanks, George. Uh, I've been watching a lot of ACC football this year, a lot. And Look at uh, this. yeah, yeah. So, if, 
if uh <clears throat> this google the page right Florida here is still in the acc or no nah, yeah no they they is they is yeah and if uh if this google page right here that i have open tells me anything wake forest is your team to beat stamp it polly um you know they've got some tough guys coming through here look wake forest is is five and zero in the conference and like we talked about last week it's just a beautiful world when you have wake forest and Pitt running atlantic and coastal in the acc i think it's it's what is it a change of times i'm not sure um but i do know that dave clausen has the demon deacons ready to rock and roll and that's forest with one r not two that's my pick <laughs> hey uh so we got another fan here writing in Love it. Melvin in Chicago on a what date, up? What on up, a Melvin? date. So Melvin, big up, Good big, for you. Hey, let's raise Good a glass. Yeah. Really raise you. a glass Risky to business. a girl for yeah. You guys are watching yeah. this on a date. We respect it. Obviously we think we warrant that. Yeah. Melvin wants to know if Wake Forest runs the table, do they merit a seat in the playoff? No, 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 no. <laughs> hard pass, hard pass, hard pass. Like I said, Capital Capital One Ball. You guys are going to have a, a, a punched sick a ticket. Lots yeah, of gear, a dandy time. You guys, yeah, dandy. first first class, first class, maybe all an the way. Xbox. Uh, you two, a watch maybe, if you want Xbox yeah. and a PS Five. Yeah, and a, and a nice watch. No, I, it's Couple that's keys. that's a that's a tough part about you know the world we live in. But I look again. I think that that what we were talking about before, Big Ten has proven. Um, to be a way stronger conference than the ACC. Um, and again, because NC State lost last. Wait, wait, let me just ask you this question. Melvin makes Force a point. Another ranked team. Just You're talking about a too. conference that's won two national championships in the last four years. Yeah. And if you run the table in that conference, you don't merit a spot. Are we yeah. in agreement there? Hack, you say. Trevor, no, you say. I, 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 no, I mean because it's been in it's it's had to go through Clemson, South Carolina, and ultimately what has happened is they've bullied everybody in the ACC for the last four or five years, and they got their seat. There's no one dominating the ACC right now. That's just uh, to me. That's what it's. Been. I mean, what was the the ACC championship game last or what was it last year or two years ago? They played Virginia. I mean, it was freaking 55 to like seven or something like that. Right. So it's, so the expectation was, okay, Clemson goes out there and beats everybody. How we're saying Cincinnati has to beat people in order to get a show, uh, yeah. a, a ticket to the dance. Clemson was doing that. Now Clemson's third. Yeah. Wake Forest is up there, but like y'all were getting slapped around for the last five years. I don't even know if it's third. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's 20, 25 years, whatever. But it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter but, now. Right. Because I, that's, that's the point. Yeah. I don't, I don't think yeah. they jump Cincinnati. No, so if, no. You know, right. So, so if you have, again, to Trevor's point, I don't think it's going to happen, but if OU does run out, that's where it's going to get interesting, but that's where I get two, two loss or what could be, I think it's a two loss. Cause I think George is going to beat Alabama. I still think Alabama and a two-loss Big Ten team is in there before an undefeated Wake Forest team. Mm. It is interesting that, you know, in years past, the way that we've talked about the college football playoff shaping up 
It's just so much different this year. We're looking at two Power Five conferences in the Big 12 and in the ACC that are most likely going to have an undefeated champion come out of there, which in years past is absolute shoo-in. No, no questions asked. It's a Power Five undefeated team. They're going. And we're looking at a, a Wake Forest that could potentially do that, and we're not even giving them a shot. And we're really looking at an Oklahoma team that they're not playing unbelievable football I think there's teams in the SEC that will not make the playoff will not even make the championship game they're playing a lot better football than than both of these teams right and and have the ability to beat them um, on on a, any given week so it is interesting how we're talking about you know in years past if you're in a power five and you're undefeated you're in now we're talking about okay Cincinnati has a chance this year maybe this is the first time an undefeated you know group of five gets in and we're going to leave out two conference champion power five teams from the playoff. It, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I wouldn't want to be, I've said it before. I would not want to be at that board table because it's going to be a tough decision. And we honestly, cause we're headed to the big 10 next, but we got to be honest. We always love the parody talk in college football. And, and, and I think people romanticize about look at Cincinnati and they came up out of nowhere. And, you know, 10 years back, it was Boise state and this school and that school. We really start the season, if you take the 65 Power 5 teams, cut that in half. The bottom half, we're looking at Wake Forest. They're undefeated. They've been taking care of business. They have no shot. No one saw them coming. Even though they show up at the, at the dance with the, with the card and everything, they got their, their pass and everything, they are not getting past the door, guys. Indiana, if they ran the table, just like Minnesota a couple of years ago, if they ran the table, no shot. Oregon State, no shot. South Carolina, like these programs, the killer part is they sit in conferences that win the national championship to the exception of Oregon State. If we run on the table, Clemson did it and they live in our neighborhood. We're running the table. We can't even get in. That's where you got to kind of be honest about it and say, listen, it's a beauty pageant and you guys are too short and frumpy to really get in it. Hate to go that route, but that's just how these guys look at it. Hack. Let's go to the Big Ten. Uh, and we have another cool question. Felipe in Dagan. Where is Felipe from? El Paso, Texas. A Big Ten fan in El Paso, Texas. Here we hello, go. F- hello, Felipe, sir. Who do we put Identity our money lines. on? Who do we put our Bet Rivers money on? I put that in there. He said money. I said Bet Rivers money. Who do we put our money on for the Big Ten crown? I feel like this is saving private Ryan. Um, I'm going to go with uh, right now as it sits, uh, just just by the way the teams have played Ohio State, and I know that that is the obvious pick, but um, it is interesting, and we've discussed it, the the finisher here with, with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State all having to play each other. Ohio State beat Penn State tonight. Um, getting over their first test. I think that's probably the – them in Michigan will be the strongest defense they see here moving forward. Um, and like I was saying, their formula for winning has been create a couple stops, know that they're going to get hurt on defense, but let that offense keep rolling, keep feeding the coal into that steam engine and let them boys roll um, on, offensively. So for me, I think Ohio State's shown it. Uh, I think I think the biggest part is they've been there before. 
They, they know what it is. Ryan Day's been there before. Um, there's an expectation level there. And I think that's kind of piggybacking off your point, George, about talking about all these guys. You cut, you cut that 65 or the power five and a half. A lot of those teams that are in that upper, upper bracket have been there before or have experienced uh, geez, sustained success mm-hmm. um, over the past five, six, seven, eight, ten years, right? And that kind of consistency gives them a head up on everybody else. Uh, and that's where those Cinderella stories just happen to be Cinderella stories that go and get a free Xbox at the Capital One Bowl price. So um, to me, uh, I think it's Ohio State. Um, but I think, uh, I think Michigan State has exceeded expectations, could definitely be spoilers. Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State could spoil anything. I think any given any given Saturday they could spoil it. But right now, just the way everything's everything's headed, I think it's Ohio State. Ohio State, there you go, Felipe, uh, and the rest of the country because this is like this is going to be center stage. You know, we got this, yeah. that is center stage, the Big Ten yeah. center stage right now. Regarding the SEC, normally we'd be in a position like this. Could be the Gators. It could be another older Bulldog team. Could be the Aggies from a couple of years ago who were rolling, feeling good, looking good. And yet the Roman army's on the other side of the valley. And you think to yourself, man, we're, we're pulling for you. They're about to get knocked out. Keep going, guys. You got this thing. Keep rolling. They're about to get rolled on. You can do this. That's not the case this year. Georgia from night one, really the, from the very first half of Clemson, they told us who they are, and they have never, just like Trevor said, they have never relented since. Maybe they've given up 30 or 40 points, but that's spread over the course of two months. The White Walkers are here. They're interchanging players. The, the, the leadership and everything is bolted down, and everything they do best is portable. They can pack that defense up. They can get out and go play on any planet, any surface, any anywhere. Running game comes attached. Both quarterbacks play within the system, spread the ball around. They don't make mistakes, and they all understand where they're going. The Bulldogs are in. Now, Alabama, they'll meet them, and they'll have it be a great matchup. It could be the prequel to the championship game, just to be flat-out honest. The real drama is on the West. Alabama's got to run its circuit on the other side. They got to stay focused. They got to, you know, we got to see what they do in the SEC championship. And then what happens? What happens? Win or lose the SEC championship, Georgia's going to have a seat. And the curious part is, when or, if, if Alabama sustains a second loss, what will the commission do with Alabama? Just seat them fourth? Like, they're still in. They're still the Roman army, and they still played the same brand of ball. I don't know how you guys look at the SEC, but I, I see it. It, it just looks like everything's put up on the wall. All we got to do is just watch how it happens. But it feels like we've already, like we know, two seats in the playoffs are coming out of the SEC. Have to, have to be. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know that this is what's interesting, though. If you have, if, if you do have a slip up in the SEC, and I don't, it ain't going to be Georgia. So it's going to be the Alabama and you know, Trevor, Trevor's been on that ship before where he knows how to kick Alabama's ass when they don't, you know, if they don't make the playoff, they fold up. Um, and, and so that's what, that's where the Cincinnati's 
the the Michigan states, the Michigans, the Penn states, the Ohio states, one of those guys get in there, um, Oklahoma. And then again, what's, what's interesting too, is, is say that, say that Baylor, <laughs> love it. Say that Baylor beats OU here <laughs> in November and it's Baylor, Baylor OU. And then, Baylor takes him down again. That's what's that's what's going to be interesting is to see how all these all these chips fall because it really is and what we've talked about before. It's Georgia and then everybody else. So Trevor, let's go to that right now. Let's play a quick scenario. Alabama goes and they lose a tough one, a field goal in the last couple seconds to Georgia in the SEC championship. They wear two losses. Here comes a one-loss Baylor team knocks out Oklahoma. Knocks out Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship. You have a one-loss Baylor and a two-loss Bama team that only lost to the to the White Walkers. What happens? I think it's even a bigger picture than that, right? If you got a one-loss Baylor team that beats Oklahoma twice, a two-loss Bama team, a, 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 an undefeated uh, Georgia team. Oh, by the way, you've also got, like we talked about earlier, undefeated Wake Forest, undefeated Cincinnati. And then, and then you've got Ohio State coming out of the Big Ten. There's not enough seats at the table. I think this is a great it, – it's, it's like a story, right? It's like a chapter book. The, the chapters have been unfolding, um, and, and we, we recreated this college football playoff. We made it four teams. We realized this really isn't working, so we're on to the next chapter, and we've just read ahead a little bit. We need 12 teams. It's got to be a 12-team playoff for this <laughs> scenario right here. The field, yes. We're way ahead. Look at this guy. Look we're at way this ahead. Guy. It's absolutely right. Think, of, think about it. Think about what I just said. Like, How do you sit there and, and, and make a decision on who are the best four teams and pick an, uh, you know, a two-loss Bama team, which we all know and everybody oh, should happy. know they are one of the best teams in college football. Yeah, but to these other schools that are trying to have Cinderella season, I mean, how do you do it? Yep. And if we're real, it's a TV show, Alabama. I don't know what actress you call them as Jennifer Aniston or whatever. They want her in and yep. Wake Forest who's undefeated doing all that they can do. They show up unblemished. Jennifer Aniston shows up with her hair. Not quite done. Still Jennifer. <laughs> Aniston's that's how that's going to go. Yeah. Hey, on behalf of such a talented crew, uh, welcome. I mean, thank you for coming into the quarterback room with us. Field of 12 after dark college football show. Trevor Knight, Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg. I'm George Woodfield. We'll see you next week for another round of battles. Roman Army, White Walkers. Obviously, the Bearcats are coming. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.